If you look there in, in chapter 2 of Revelation, and I know you're all company, but would you stand with me as we read through these first few verses here about the church in Smyrna, Revelation chapter 2, and starting with verse 8. It says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna writes, The words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Thank you, Father, for your word today. May it speak to our hearts. Father, help me to step aside. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to teach us today, to inspire us. God, may we be a church that leaves here today, a church that is on fire for who you are. Thank you, God, for loving us in your name. Amen. You may be seated. I look at this passage and, you know, we're just kind of continuing that thought of, well, who is God, right? That's a, that's a pretty good question to ask. I think even for people who are believers that every now and then we need to like be thinking about who is God? Because I think sometimes the, the culture will kind of, you know, uh, dictate who we think God is. A lot of people think God is some, you know, bearded guy sitting up on a cloud, reaching down with his finger. We see, we get that picture, right? Um some people think Jesus is like a, a nine pound, six ounce baby, you know, in a manger. We get all these different pictures of God. But I think when it really comes down to it, we need to know about the character of God, right? The Holy Spirit is not just some, woo, some little ghost floating around out here. But the Holy Spirit is the power that, that the Lord has given us, the gift, the comforter. We need to think about who God is. Because you and I, are, we're facing perilous times today. There are things going on in this world that are just scary. You know, I'm not talking about just, uh, you know, driving down the highway on I-40 or something like that. I'm talking there are some serious things. Uh, there are some serious battles coming against the church today. There, there, is a, there is a ravaging even of pastors in our churches. There is a ravaging of families within our states. The devil's out there and he's working. He's doing his work, and I, and I think we need to draw closer to this God that I'm reading about this morning. Because I think as we're reading through Smyrna, you to understand the, the whole church in Smyrna, which uh, Jesse and I, we went there, it was Izmir, is what it is now. And, and, and it's kind of this, you know, it's this city that has right about four, four million people. I think in the province, there's almost five million people in the, uh, uh, this province. But in that city, when you drive through Izmir, my heart really broke. I literally drove through Izmir crying. Because you were driving through there, and on every corner is a mosque, and there were these huge high-rise buildings, and in each high-rise building, there, there was no time that people lived in those buildings. But to think of a, a small little area of the world, four million people living there, and probably about 3% of them know Jesus. And actually, Izmir, it's, it's a higher Christian percentage than the rest of the country. But Smyrna was a hub of, of goodness, of the gospel at one point. But Jesus, through this letter, he's writing them. He's like, I, I know you guys are good. You know, Smyrna and, and uh, the church in Philadelphia are all, the only ones that didn't get an F on their report card. Jesus is like, you did this well. 
And it's interesting to me that the ones that were doing well, they were the ones that have to go through persecution. Smyrna was a church that the people were, you know, they fought against heresy. They fought against uh, bad teachings. They reached out and they loved their community, but they were about to endure not just some tribulation, but more tribulation. That church in Ephesus, man, it, you know, they were reminded to, that God had a watchful eye on them. And God stimulated in their minds, hey, get back to your first love. But here we see in the church in Smyrna, a very pure church, a church that was doing what they were supposed to be. But man, everything in the world was coming down upon them. Everything was falling down and they were going to pass through not just the trials they were going through at the time, but there were going to be more fiery trials that were going to come their way. But the, the God is the same, isn't he? The God who loves. The God who, who's there. I, I was thinking about, uh, well, what, what was so significant about Smyrna? Well, Smyrna's, Smyrna was basically the second largest port in Turkey. And, and uh, it was right there next to Ephesus, about 45 minutes. So we, we flew into Izmir and we drove from Izmir to, uh, uh, down to Ephesus to uh, Selchuk. And so uh, that drive is about 45 miles, something like that. But um, the, 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 the idea that at one time that it was a very major prominent city in the world, like it was actually known as uh, the star of Asia, like people went there, there were coinage that says that, you know, it said basically uh, Smyrna, the coin, the coin, the, the coin, the star of Asia, right? That they, they were kind of known for that. Like we're the Blackberry capital of Oklahoma, right? That's what we are. They were the star of Asia, and, and it was just a beautiful place. But in Smyrna, there were guys born there that you might have heard of. You ever heard of a guy named Homer? Not Simpson, but Homer the poet, right? Um, Homer was born there. Um, it, again, it was that second largest city. It was a big place. that They had uh, places that, that they lifted up the goddesses Nemesis and the goddesses Athena, right? The, that name Smyrna is beautiful to me because it's, it's uh, if you look at it, you think, well, Smyrna, Smyrna, what does that mean? But it was actually, uh, Smyrna was the place where they produced myrrh. And so the name Smyrna literally means myrrh. And I, I thought how beautiful that that is, that Jesus writes to these people and he says, hey, the one who was dead but is now alive. <laughs> you think that was significant to people that were very well versed in the preservation of bodies? He says, listen up, guys, I who was dead, but now I'm alive. You, Smyrna, myrrh, preservation. Here's the thing. Listen to me. I have the way of life. Keep doing what you've been doing. You're going to have bad times come your way. You're going to have things happen. And, and, I, and I look at this passage of scripture and I think, Lord, what are you telling us today? What, what do we need to know? I, th- that was significant for them. When, when he said to them, I was dead, but now I'm not, that kind of got their ears. I mean, they had undertakers and everybody. They were like, oh, wait, that, you know, that's kind of like you know, my shop talk there. And Jesus is like, I'm alive. And throughout this passage, he says, if you persevere, if you cling to me, you will also be alive. You will have that eternal life. But what does this tell me today? You know, when I talk about who my God is and I'm looking at this passage and I'm like, okay, what's the character of God here? What's the character of Jesus right here? What's the character of the Holy Spirit? Church, the first thing I would say is that Jesus knows his people. Everybody hear that? Jesus knows his people. He knew the church in Smyrna. He looks at him and he says, I know you. <laughs> That's a good thing, which by the way, 
You know, you ever had somebody come up to you? Well, well, I heard about you or somebody's been talking about you and you're like, oh, Lordy, oh, Lordy, what have they been saying? But he says to the church of Smyrna, he says, I know your tribulation and I know your what? Your poverty. Jesus knew them. He knew they were going through a hard time. He knew they was poor. And church, let me tell you something today. God knows that you're going through a hard time right now if you are. God knows that you're poor. God knows that you're dealing with sickness. God knows that you have, you know, uh, crazy politicians ruling your nation, right? God knows that, that your preacher preaches a long time. God knows that McDonald's gives okay food most of the time, right? God knows these problems that we go through. They have an awesome $12 bundle right now, by the way. It's awesome. Me and Joni have been living on that. So thank God for McDonald's after these late ball games all week long. But God knows what you're going through. Whatever you're dealing with. You know, <laughs> man, brother, that last song you guys sang, I'm just thinking, oh, yeah, because I've been there. I, I've been at the, you know, the bedside of people when they were dying. I've been, I've been around people that, you know, they, 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 were, they passed away. And even, you know, uh, for a human even, they, they were believers in Jesus Christ. But even in that, there's pain. And, and you have to reach a point that you say, God, I'm going to follow you anyways. I'm going to love you anyways. That even through this dark time, even through this tribulation, I'm going to keep following you. Because I know that what? You know me. God, you know me. Because I can't fix that. I can't fix it when I lose somebody. I can't, I can't fix it when somebody comes against me, but I can lean on Jesus and he knows me and he knows how to fix me. It's Jesus. Church, Jesus knows his people. He knew that they were going through stuff. And, and I, one of the things interesting, I mentioned it earlier, this was a church that was doing things well. And I think we see that in the world today that the tribulated churches in the world are the ones that are actually doing the right things. You come to America and we're so, we're so caught on, well, what kind of music style we're going to have? Or do we have certain chairs? Or does our preacher preach this long? Does he preach out of this version? Instead of us just coming together and worshiping Jesus and proclaiming the gospel to our world, that's our call. It's not to do all this stuff that churches do in America today. It's what happens, though. Those churches in tribulated countries, they don't have time to argue over stuff. They're, they're too busy staying alive. And it's, it's, a, it's an unnerving thing. It, it, I, we've, you know, we got a small piece of it when we were in Turkey. You know, where the, where the government was watching us pray with some other believers, like they were watching us that closely. You know, when was the last time Biden watched us, you know? I mean, maybe he's watching us through our phones. I don't know. Maybe I'm just dumb to it. But, but you know, we don't have the government coming down on upon us, right? And saying, well, you guys can't do that. But church, let me, let me, let me promise you something, that it could change very quickly. That it could change very quickly. I saw video footage this week of a, of a man, I think he was in Canada, but a guy walked into a mall and his shirt literally said, Jesus loves you. That's all it said. And they were kicking him out because it offended other people who were shopping there. Jesus loves you, offends you? Why? Well, well, I don't get that. But in our world today, we're sure to face persecution somewhere. And guys, I'm not talking about someone not liking your Facebook posts. I'm not talking about someone, you know, cutting you off in traffic. What I'm talking about is this real persecution where people are coming against you because you follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
That's persecution. That's tribulation. And these people were about to go through more. I would love to get a good letter from Jesus, wouldn't you? Hey, you're going to be rich, Daniel. That brand new 2023 Chevrolet Z71, that's yours, Daniel. It's going to be yours, right? That brand new house and that brand new addition with the big, the big shutters and the, and the big pool in the back and the self-mowing lawn and all this kind of stuff, right? This is going to be yours. You're never going to wait in line at McDonald's ever again, Daniel, right? You're, you're just going to have everything perfect all your life. You're never going to lose anybody. You're never going to be sick. Your shoes will never come untied again. You see what I'm saying? We, we get really dumb with this. We think, well, that's what the blessing of the Lord is. And I'm not saying God cannot bless us with these things. But church, let us not lose sight of the fact that what he's really blessed us with is eternal life. Because if all this falls away, guess what still stands? Yeah, that doesn't change. That doesn't change. That doesn't change a, a single bit. I, our, our brother there in, in Dedham who was, who was doing the church work there, that guy, he didn't care. Like, he'd been beat for the gospel. He didn't care. Brother, our, our brother David, he didn't care. Sometimes we have a problem just coming to church or Sunday school. Well, I'm, I'm kind of tired, Daniel, you know? Well, I think everybody's probably tired. We all deal with tiredness. Probably our own fault for that. But the truth of the matter is that what the church needs to focus on is that Jesus knows us. He knows our problems. Quit focusing on everything else. Let's quit trying to be like the rest of the world. Our churches aren't designed to be like city council. Our churches aren't designed to be like a country club. Our churches are designed to be a place where people gather together and worship the one true God. And, and we're, we're a group of people who don't just worship it here, but we take it out there. That's the work of the church. We've, we, we've gotten it messed up. And here we see that the church is smeared. And he's like, man, you guys are doing some good stuff, but guess what? It's about to get really bad. <laughs> I would like to have that good letter from God. But these people didn't get it. And I really don't expect that we're going to have a perfect, easy world from here on out. I really don't. But he says you're... I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. It's about to get worse. I was thinking about that word tribulation and really what the word tribulation, kind of what it ties into when you look into the Greek language when we're talking about it. Um, if someone were to lay you out on a table and they were to take a stone and set it on your chest and take another stone and set it on your chest and take another stone and set it on your chest, this is that idea of what tribulation really meant at the time because there was a, a torture that the Romans used and they would do exactly that to get you to talk, or just to kill you. They would set stone upon stone upon stone upon stone upon stone until you finally quit breathing. And Jesus tells the church, I know it's rough. I know it's hard to breathe sometimes. I know that it's, it's, it's rough. I know that, that that feeling that I had when I, when I was driving through Izmir, and I saw all those buildings, and I saw all those mosques, and I thought, these people do not know Jesus. The same feeling I got the other day when I was... I was driving through McLeod, Oklahoma, and I was like, there's all these people and, and who they don't even go to church anywhere. That pain that I have right here. But yet, we as a church, we think our, our tribulation is when the internet's down. We think our tribulation is when these, it's these trivial things. But Jesus says, listen up, I know you. And I know that even if the worst were to come, you still have me. Our power is not in ourselves, amen. Thank God for that. 
But that idea of tribulation, that one stone after the other being put on someone so they couldn't breathe. Jesus knows that weight, and he knows it well. Jesus knew he carried that weight, church. And when he went to the cross, here's the thing. Just as Jesus knows us, here's the thing. You can know him. I don't know a Jesus that's dead in a grave anywhere, do you? You know, I went to the, I went to the tomb of St. John. I've been to, uh, you know, uh, famous uh, cemeteries and people, you know, places where people were buried. I think it was Jim Gaffigan was talking about he went to some cemetery where his in-laws live. I think he was in Ohio. And they, they saw like a place, I guess whoever wrote Mary had a little lamb, you know, he's talking about that. How they went to this, this place where the, the person who wrote Mary had a little lamb was buried. And he was like, I guess he says, I, I guess basically this was like their song, you know, it's like, it's like our uptown funk, you know, it was like their song, their, their, their song of their generation, right? Uptown funk's not my song, by the way. It's who let the dogs out. Okay. So it's definitely not that one. <laughs> It'd probably be a Beatles song, but anyways, but he, you know, he said that people go to this grave and this, this schoolhouse and all this were like, Mary had a little lamb was written and it got popular. Guys, we don't have a tomb to go to for Jesus. But then there's a tomb, they say, well, this is where Jesus was, was, was buried, but that place is empty. Jesus that knows us, we can know him. So I think when I'm looking at the church in Smyrna, knowing that he knows us, man, we need to draw close to him. We talked about it a few weeks ago. If you draw close to God, guess what happens? He draws close to you. What do we need more in this world? We need to be closer to God. And if he knows me, if he knows how stupid Daniel can be, <laughs> if he knows the mistakes I can make, he knows the attitudes I can have, he knows uh, you know, how I can be in life, he knows me. Church, he knows you. He knows what we may be about to go through. And so we have to draw close to him. To be close to him is to, is to experience what life is really about. And Jesus tells those people, hey, I know you. Take comfort in that word, right? He's writing to Smyrna and he's like, he's like, I'm about to tell you some big stuff that's not really good news, but listen, I know you. I know what you're going through. I know your loss. I know your pain. Because I'm the one that died and now I'm alive. That's our Jesus, amen. I would also say that Jesus reminds us of our imperishable wealth. You, you guys ever had something that was really cool? You know, we were at uh, Joni's uh, parents the other night, which, by the way, I'm going to be a Pops. So congratulations to me. And Joni's going to be a Noni. So we're, we're excited about that. We're going to have a little baby granddaughter. I was, I was pumped. They want us to wear colors to kind of signify like which one we wanted. And I was like, man, I really don't care. But I wanted a little girl. You know, I really don't care. But so I, I bought a shirt at Walmart that was pink and blue and I was good to go. Either, either way, you know. I'm right there in the middle. But we were there and, and, and Jaron's running around the backyard kind of playing around and helping, helping his grand, grandpa out pick up some sticks. And, and Jed, I didn't get to show you, but there was, a, there was a BB gun in the back. And I was like, oh, that's a cool BB gun. And I got to look at it and it said, Red Rider. And I'm like, Red Rider BB gun. Yeah, that's, you know, with the compass in the sock and all that. I, I, yeah, that's pretty cool. But I got to look at it and like written, it looked like in crayon, it said Jet Henson. <laughs> And Jet's finest, seven, uh, probably seven-year-old penmanship, you know, Jet Henson. At one time, that gun was like everything to Jet, right? He thought that was the coolest thing. I mean, birds feared him, you know? I mean, when he went out, there wasn't a tin can on the property that didn't have a, like a dent in it or something like that. 
But, you know, here's that, that gun sitting back there, and it's just it's gotten old, you know? It's probably didn't. It's, my father-in-law told me, he's like, yeah, it shoots sometimes and doesn't others. I was like, well, that's, that's silly, but why would you keep that around? We, we've all had something that was really valuable to us. But things fall apart. Things are perishable. They don't always stay the same, right? They change. They change. And the believers of Smyrna, what they were told by Jesus was, hey, remember that what I've given you is imperishable. He tells them at the beginning, he says, you're, you're impoverished and you're tribulated, but what? You're rich. And he's reminding them that what you've been blessed with is so much better than all this stuff in the world. It's better than being the, old, the owner of the, the biggest myrrh shop in all of Smyrna, right? It's better than, than owning all this stuff. I, I was amazed while we were touring through, through Turkey that, that they, they do flowers. Like there's areas of the, of, the, of the country that they specialize in flowers and they make all these like soaps and lotions and, you know, they... Uh, teas and all this kind of stuff, right? They do all this kind of stuff. I had an orchid tea. I think Jesse drank a, uh, t- uh, was a rose tea, wasn't it? Yeah, I was out of roses. And so they had all these like specialized areas of the, of the, of the nation. And you could have all that, Jesus tells them, and he reminds them here that. But I want to remind you of that imperishable wealth. You realize that your, that your eternal life never goes away, right? It doesn't change. I've had people, well-meaning people in my life say, oh, you can lose your salvation. You know, if you stump your toe and cuss, then you could lose your salvation. I was like, man, that's scary. Because I stump my toe a lot. Sometimes I might cuss. Oh no, what am I going to do? I'll never get to heaven. What we're taught in scripture is that he is our salvation. It's Christ. It is he that does the work, not us. And Jesus reminds us that, that what he's given us is imperishable. He reminds the church here. He says, what I've given you is imperishable, but you are rich. I know all this this stuff is terrible, but you are rich. The believers in Smyrna, they were rich by another set of standards. They were rich in character, I think we could say. They They were rich in spiritual gifts. They were blessing those around them. They were the church in the area. And I would even say that today that the work of the believers of that time is still even evident in Izmir because Izmir still is the Christian capital of Turkey, as sad as that is, with 3% or so. The wealth of Smyrna was lost throughout the centuries. There's piles of rocks everywhere. But you know what? The gospel is still at work in Turkey. It's not as loud as we want it to be. There's not as many people know it as I would like to know it, but the gospel is still working there. It's imperishable. You know, the Turks tried to come down on it. It's still there. The gospel's still there. And church, I want you to understand that your, your heart right now might be like some country that's under uh, a different rule, but Jesus says, nope, 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 nope. I know this, but I've given you this. I know this, but I've given you imperishable things. When Jesus went to the cross and he died on that cross, it was once and for all. His, his deaths for our sins it still covers us, does it not? And he reminds us in this, this, this account, and this letter, that he knows us, and he knows that what he's given us will never perish. It will never perish. Last thing I would say is this, and I think we probably need to hear this today more than ever, in a day and an age that is racked by anxiety and pain, Jesus disarms our fears. 
Jesus doesn't just go up to them and say, hey, you guys are doing really good. Uh, things are about to get really bad and then walk off, <laughs> right? He didn't step out of the picture, but he reminds them here. He's like, I'm going to take your fear from you because I got some good news for you. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life, right? He who has an ear, let him hear this. I know that you're impoverished. I know that tribulation is coming. I know that more tribulation is coming again. You know, I think he says in there that there's going to be 10 days of tribulation, right? How many of us could endure 10 days of tribulation? There's a lot of meetings. I, I, I was looking that up and just kind of reading other people's things. You know, 10 days could mean what? 10 days, or right? Uh, prophetically, out of the Old Testament, 10 days could be 10 years, which is interesting because Diocletian, the Roman emperor, he ruled and persecuted the church for 10 years really hard there in Izmir or in, in, in Smyrna for 10 years. That's, that's interesting. But also, I think bigger picture, probably more what I'm in line with, is that 10 years is this. It's just a short amount of time. It's just a short amount of time. It's enough to feel it, right? It's enough to know it's there, but it's, it's just temporary. It's not going to last forever. You know what does last forever? The love of Jesus. Our eternal life, we may think we're suffering here and that we just can't get through it, but guys, there's coming a time when we're going to be in the presence of the king forever and ever and ever. And if we even think about our life here, I think we're going to be so ashamed because of all the time we wasted fussing and fighting and worrying and, and doing this and doing that instead of just worshiping the king. Now, I don't know. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be so overcome with the glory and the presence of Jesus, we're not going to think about the past. I really think that's the case. I don't think we're going to be like, well, what? You know, we were talking about it the other day. Well, when I get to heaven, I want to ask Paul this question. What was the thorn in your flesh, you know? Or when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to, 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 to Noah. What was it like to build a really big boat? When I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to Daniel because, well, he has the same name as me. But I'm going to go talk to Daniel. What's he going to, you know, what was it like to be in a lion's den? Like, I mean, you went up and you petted those, those big old kitties, right? How was, how was that? Sometimes we go to the zoo, you know, Oklahoma City Zoo, and they got those big lions. And, and uh, I was a moor lion, so it's like pretty close to my heart, you know. But I, but I always think when I see those lions and they're just kind of sitting there doing this, like, man, it'd be cool to reach out and just pet that cat, you know. He'd bite my arm off. He'd rip it, plumb out of the socket. I don't know. He may be a nice guy. Who knows? But you know, Daniel knew, right? But I think when we get to heaven, I think we're going to be like, you know what? <laughs> that guy that we're worshiping, he knows me. That guy that I'm, I'm worshiping now, he's giving me this imperishable wealth. That, that guy we're worshiping right now, that, that he's disarmed all of my fear. I don't even have fear anymore. To, to have fear like uh, one of our brothers, our church fathers here, um, there was a guy who was from Smyrna, and, and you might have heard this before, but his name was Polycarp. And Polycarp was this, this bishop within the area of, of, uh, of what we're talking about today, of, of Smyrna. And, and he was a very good bishop because he made sure that everybody heard the truth. And he was all about, you know, good theology. And he was all about keeping away from heresies. But somewhere along the way, um, it, it mentions here that, the, that, that they were seated by the synagogue of Satan, right? 
And it's interesting that he uses that. And then he calls them Jews. And, and does he mean they're actual Jews? They could have been Jewish people who were persecuting the church. Or Paul actually uses the word Jews sometimes to describe Christians, Christ followers. So we don't really know like who these people were. But anyways, they were persecuting the church. And even in church history, we can see where these same people persecuted a guy by the name of Polycarp. And they get the, they sick the Romans on them, and the Romans come, and they pick Polycarp up. And he's like, hey, wait just a minute. They come to his house. They're like, he, he tells them, just sit down a minute. Uh, you guys here, eat all you want. I'm going to go in my bedroom. I'm going to pray. And so these, these guards go, and they're eating, and they can hear Polycarp back here just praising God. And they're like, how can we kill this guy? I mean, he's an 86-year-old man. How can, I, how can we kill this dude? But they were bound to their job, so they after they got done eating— <laughs> They took him down, and, and the higher-ups there were looking at him. They're like, here's an 86-year-old man. Who can kill this guy, right? Who can kill this guy? So, like, the big shots, they looked at Polycarp, and they said, Polycarp, just renounce Jesus. You can go back to praying, doing whatever, but just right now, in this moment, renounce Jesus. Renounce him, and you'll live. Polycarp says this, 86 years I have served him. He has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? I look at that. That's from history, right? Let's tie it into this this Revelation chapter 2 area. This guy was still living what Jesus had told him to live. This guy was still living. He died, I think it was in like the mid-100s. After, the, after Christ has ascended, right? So like 125, 150, I think is when he died. But, but Polycarp, when he passes away, they, they tie him to a stake. They normally would nail you to the stake. And he said, no need to nail me. If this is God's will, this is God's will. And they, they put him around on the stake there. They piled up the wood. They set the fire and gave his life as a martyr for Jesus. But he was living exactly what you and I read today. Hey, it's okay. I know you're poor, Polycarp. Polycarp read this in his mind. You know, you know this is going through his mind as he's on that stake. Hey, yeah, I know you're poor. I know you're persecuted. I know you're about to die because some of you are going to die. And it's true. It came true. Polycarp said, you know what? If it's the Lord's will, it's the Lord's will. He closed his eyes with fire surrounding him and he opened them in a place that was perfect and imperishable to a God who knows him and to a God who disarmed every ounce of his fear. Church, if I could caution us today, let's not get caught and the temporal things, or the momentary things, to look big scale, and to think, God, I know it's really terrible right now, but I trust you. I trust you, God. I trust you because you're the one who blesses us. Even though we don't deserve it, God, you bless us. That persecution continued on in that area of the world. Uh, We know that in the, the 1400s, the Turks came in, they started killing Christians. Uh, there were Greeks that lived in the area. They were Christians. And they, the, the Turks came in and they started killing people. Burning them at stake, men, women, and children, cutting them up. They just killed them all. And then about 1922, it happened again. A guy by the name of Otto Turk, and he come in and he started killing people. They were Armenians, man. They started killing them right there, even in Izmir. In this place that we're talking about, this, this Smyrna. But you know what's funny? All these guys come and go, but guess what is still in Smyrna? Believers in Jesus Christ. And even if it was completely wiped out, guess who's in heaven today? A bunch of Christians who Jesus said, you know what? I know you. Remember the gifts I've given you? 
take that fear away. You're going to be with me for all eternity. Guys, the message of the gospel is so beautiful and it reaches so many. It reaches so many. I mean, you can look at all the different cultures in the world. You know, St. Patrick, he went to Ireland, right? He went to Ireland and it, he actually went as a slave first and he leaves and gets away and he comes, God, God says, go back to Ireland. So he goes back to Ireland and, you know, he evangelizes the entire nation. Is Ireland perfect today? No. But the gospel's planted there. The gospel's being proclaimed there even today. The same thing's happening in Izmir. I pray for those people in Izmir that God would continue to remind them, <laughs> Jesus knows you. That they would be reminded today that they've been blessed with imperishable goods and that God can take away all our fears, all of our fears. And to, to kind of look up here, you know, if there's like a key note, like a point you and I can take today from, from, from this passage in chapter two, it's found there that the end of verse 10 where Jesus says, be faithful, even to the point of death. Be faithful, even to the point of death. Church, if we can work on anything within our, our bodies and our fellowships is that we continue to be faithful. I had a brother in Christ this week. He gave up his faithfulness. It actually happened a while ago, but just finding out about it, it breaks my heart. He decided he's going to go another way apart from the love of Jesus. And I'm like, how do we hear? How do we know? How do we experience the word of God and turn from it? Because it's a good news, is it not? I mean, I know you guys are all believers here today. I'm preaching to the choir. But isn't it good to know that Jesus knows you? That he thinks and prays about you? That he intercedes for you at the Father's right hand? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it, is it good to know that, that what we've been given doesn't go bad? Even the best gallon of Brahms milk goes bad. They do have the best milk. Highland's got them beat on the eggnog, but but their 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 milk their their milk will go bad eventually, right? It does. It happens. Jesus can wipe away all that. He can he can give us an ounce of courage, and that's all we really need. But God can give you courage to get through anything you're about to go through. I think I think uh you know we, we think about what, what what's the point in sermons what's the point in studies and scripture the point is is like yeah right now you may not be going through anything but this is going to come in handy later this is going to come in real handy later it could be an encouragement to you later but but study it think about who your jesus is right and in psalm chapter two um it's interesting. I was going to read this last week, and I talked too long about other stuff, and I didn't get, didn't get to it. But in Psalm chapter two, um, we went to our ministerial alliance meeting this week, and, and our brother out here, Kickapoo friends, he preached on or did a devotion on Psalm chapter two, which is what I'd been studying. And so I thought this really ties into what we're talking about today. Look at Psalm chapter two, starting in verse one. Why do the nations rage, and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth, they set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords away from us. He who sets in the heavens <laughs> lapsed. You know what God says about our plans? Ha ha. <laughs> you think you're all powerful. You think you got everything under control. But the God in heaven, he laughs. I've heard it said before, right? You know, it's like, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to, you want to make, make God laugh, make plans. It's actually a biblical thought because all the world, they've got all these big plans, you know, 
They got all these big plans, and God laughs at it. God laughs at it. I, we can get really defeated, right? We can get defeated in a lot of ways. But the, the love that we have in Jesus, and the God that is not just a God who's laughing and you know he falls apart later. No, God laughs because he's the way, the truth, the lie. He's, he's everything. He's all-powerful. These people are making all these rules. They're making all these plans. And Jesus just laughs at them. God just laughs at them. The Holy Spirit's like, oh, whatever, you guys. He laughs at them. The Lord, it says, holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrifying them in fury, saying, as for me, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell it a decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Guys, think about this for a moment. What do we need to do in our lives? We need to draw closer to God. Every day. Some of you are like, I go to church, Daniel. No, I'm not talking about you going to church. Yay, you went to a building. Ha ha. You know? I I got preacher friends that say, well, Daniel, I get up and preach every Sunday. Yeah, I've seen what happens to men that don't get close to God. They don't draw close to them. You can get up and preach a sermon and live a totally different life. We have to be people who are drawing constantly close to the Lord. To serve the Lord with what? With fear. And rejoice with what? With trembling. Your God loves you today. Did you know that? You know he knows you? You know that whatever he's given you lasts forever? Do you know that he can remove all that fear of whatever the world may bring against you? You can live in peace today, church. It's not that hokey, hokey, hokey television preacher joy that you can give. If you send me $10, I'll send you a prayer hanky, you know? It was two years ago, there was a preacher on TV. His name was Don Stewart. And I had a guy in my youth group, and guess what his name was? Don Stewart. So we we thought it'd be funny to send in for some prayer hankies from Don Stewart Ministries. And so, but on on the on the on his envelope, you know, the return address was to Don Stewart. We never heard anything back. It's like they just thought it was a joke or whatever, you know. I'm not talking about that kind of hokey joy. Here, here's your prayer hanky, right? I'm not talking about them, those, those uh, sugared down sermons that you might hear from certain people on national television. They'll get up there and tell you, oh, everything's all right. You just need to smile and be happy with it. Like, gosh, that's not what it's about. It's about us understanding who God is and living under his love that's imperishable. It's imperishable. And he says here, do that, do that. He he rides it all up like the last thing he says is this. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Do you take refuge in the Lord? I think most of us would say, yeah, I do. But but I think maybe we could get a little closer, don't you? We could draw in just a little bit tighter. You know? Little Jaron, he likes to to give hugs. He's a hugger like his dad and like, like his mom, but. The other day he came up, I said, hey, man. I said, come here. He's like, what? He thought he was in trouble, I think. I was like, come here. He's like, what? I was like, come here. I said, he's like, what? I said, what? I want a hug. So he kind of comes up there and he does this thing, you know, just kind of does the pats on the back while he's hugging me. I was like, no, man, man, that's not what I want. I want a bear hug, right? I want a bear hug. That kid about broke my neck. He's three years old. I want a bear hug. 
Guys, blessed are those who take refuge in the Lord. He doesn't just want us to come and sit outside the building. He doesn't want us just to be people who just sit on a pew and listen to what God does in other people's lives. Check this out. He wants you to take refuge with him today. Are you taking refuge with God? And I encourage you to. That every morning that you take time to say, God, you are my God and I will ever praise you. That throughout the day you live for him. That the, at the evening, the last thing that you think about is how good your God is and how you need him. You've made room for Christ in your heart. I'm going to invite you today, if you don't know Christ, that today you can know him. The Bible tells us that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we can be saved. If you feel God speaking to you, just Christ into your heart, I want to invite you, as a, when everyone stands here in a moment and the music begins, I want to invite you to come down here. Maybe you're a believer today and you're just going through some rough times and you're needing to be reminded that, that Jesus knows you. You're needing to be reminded that he's with you in your hard times and that what he's given you will last forever, that you can trust in Jesus. If you need just prayer today, I want to invite you to come to these altars. I want to ask you to stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray. Lord, today on this day of of remembrance of uh, how we value human life on this on this beautiful day, God, we're reminded that you valued life so much that you sent your son Jesus to the cross. God, I pray we would continue to, to value life uh, as a church, as individuals, that the way we vote, the way we live, that we would value life, that, that God, we wouldn't just value just the babies, but we would also value the people driving down the road, that we would value the people in our neighborhoods, or that we would see that every, every person is valued in your sides. May we be guilty of preaching your gospel. And Lord, if there be anyone here today that does not know you, I invite them to, to come. Lord, I pray that it would be your Holy Spirit that draws them here. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for, for knowing us. Thank you for that imperishable love. God, thank you. Thank you so much for taking our fear away in your name. Amen.